In this episode, we are joined by Sean Deardolph. Sean is the founder and CEO of successful droning and photography company, Airmage. Previously, aerospace engineer intern at SpaceX and founder of multiple other organizations and businesses. We discussed taking small businesses to the next level, increasing revenue streams for businesses, and the importance of managing time as an entrepreneur. Be sure to leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you guys enjoyed the episode. With that being said, let's get into it. All right, Sean, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, so uh, getting right into it. Um, we want to start, um, I guess, focusing on like when you got into entrepreneurship, right? So I guess at what age or like what point in your life were you like, I think I want to build something for myself rather than just get like a part-time job or something? Yeah, like, I mean, I never really, like, the 9 to 5 never really, like, sat in with me. Um, I think that's too limiting. Um, and long term, I don't really want a 9 to 5. I think I want to be where, like, being your own boss is, and having your own flexibility is really nice. But uh, from an early age, uh, I've always been thinking outside the box and having that kind of entrepreneurial mindset. Um, came with a couple of product ideas, like, when I was, like, 8 or 9 or 10, that obviously went off the best. But, like, we're on the right track to thinking that way. And then like being able to realize your passions and then say, oh, I can capitalize that and maybe make a profit off of that and then help others too. Really kind of put me on the trajectory to be like a, an entrepreneur. And I feel like I really fit in with the entrepreneurial mindset of like like growth mindset, willing to you know go beyond what's normal and like what's possible and then kind of see what's possible. In there. That's awesome. Did you, what were some of those products? Do you remember any of them when you were like eight or 10? Oh man, there was like this, I was like, let's turn like aluminum soda cans into like model planes and it's like i don't know um it's like something air like thin air or something i don't know something kind of i saw like you know i would put air hogs like you know from the store like like made model airplanes like oh let's make a, a cheap recyclable flying plane it's like remote control it's like oh that's cool but then like the logistics of it it's just like it's not really possible but yeah. it'd be kind of cool it's like it's it a cool idea a cool idea um i also did like Starting from a young age, I did origami for a long time, so I was like, oh, no, let me see if I can make origami for others. So I looked into doing like uh, wedding bouquets, like that. Like, people don't, if they're allergic to flowers, you know, you can make paper flowers instead uh, and cater towards the audience. But that never really fully took off. That one actually, well, that kind of stuck for a while. That's called Origami Chef. Actually, uh, like, always, we're always cooking up new things. Um, but kind of starting, starting early uh, and then going up from there, um, kind of grew. That's awesome. Yeah. Sounds like you're an engineer, like ever since you were born. You're an aerospace, right, major? Yeah, yeah, yeah I am. Yeah, I've I've been I've never wanted to aerospace since I was about four. Um, <laughs> always been into things that fly. You know, my dad probably got me and kind of more into that mindset. You know, I grew up with like my childhood ceiling. I had like kites and, and like rockets, stuff like that. Um, and my my dad had a whole collection of model rockets. So I started building like Essie's rockets with him when I was young and knew I always wanted to kind of design those one day. So I kind of always been in that mindset, but also like what and what and see what else we can do with that. Yeah, so so we were talking before we actually hit play on the podcast and you said you started a lawn company business. Could you like say like how, how you <laughs> how you like how you've like presented like the business aspect of it? It's like you obviously when you're young you just like yeah. oh let me try this out and see what happens. But like how did you transform that into a business? Yeah, well I feel like most most Kids my age, when, when you're young and 10, you're like, oh, what's the easy way to make income? You know, when you're around your house, like, oh, let's mow some lawns. So I did that around my neighborhood. I'm like, hmm, what if we do, like, not just mow lawns, we do, like, you know, like raking leaves and, like, roofing and, and yard works like that. How can we make this bigger and cater to more people? And so it's like, oh, so that's like a business model. Like, my neighborhood has a lot of homeowners that are probably too lazy to go in their 
own yard work. So uh, I'm a young, you know, active guy, and I, I can help out with that. It's like, oh, let me have a piece of that. So I was like, let's create a lawn business, you know. And uh, you know, my name rhymes with lawn, Sean with lawn, and so it's like, you know, what? <laughs> boom, schlawn care. You know, what a great idea. Uh, of course, my eleven-year-old mindset was. Uh, off, off the charge of that, but looking back at it, it's probably not the best idea. Um, but it worked, you know, it worked for several years. And I still get, you know, neighbors be like, hey, can you come do this? And I'm like, sorry, I'm in college. Uh, so can't really do it right now, but uh, I can like find someone else. But um, no, it was, it was a great opportunity to kind of dabble in like the professional side of things and really kind of take things off. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, since you were so much younger when you started that business, were there any things that you still remember that you really learn from from running that business that you were able to apply to things you started later down the road yeah uh i mean like just like marketing um i remember like i had like for several months like a year first like, like 10 or 11 i was like oh, i only had like three or four neighbors that like really kind of routinely do that so like first marketing was like oh putting it on the listserv even though we're not always supposed to advertise there but i was like hey you know uh, offering lawn care service, you know, if anyone needs anything, and then I made like little posters to hand out, like put on, on, in my lawn uh, for anyone who else might, might need lawn care, and kind of grew that marketing and, and realized that you know capitalizing on on word of mouth and other people really is the best way to kind of grow. And learning that you know it's just one it's one thing to have an idea, but rather than to kind of accelerate it and elevate it to next levels is almost their one. Yeah, that's a great point. I feel like a lot of people, like when you jump into a business, it's like hard to actually grow it. Yeah. And like you, you say like like exactly what you did, like you started mowing lawns, but then you realized, okay, there's all these other things attached to mowing lawns yeah. that you can upsell people on right. and really turn it into a bunch of different revenue streams. Like what would you say to someone that's that has a business and like they only have one source of revenue? Like what's the best way to like think about other ways that you can try to upsell people? Yeah, I think it's always like for any entrepreneur, I think it's always important to have at least several streams of revenue coming into it. I mean, even for YouTubers, like it's not just the, the video, but as you see, most YouTubers also have a merchandise line too, to bring in a lot of revenue. For example, like Mr. Beast, you know, gets most of his income from his merchandise that funds the videos, which gets more views, and then you can get more merchandise. And it's just like positive feedback loop that just keeps growing. So I think it's really good to have like two cycles things. Um, coming into it, so having like add-ons, as you said, is really important, and then being able to see how that can contribute to kind of grow. And um, early on, for most entrepreneurs, I think it's really important to realize the aspect of investing back into the company or the idea or the product or service itself. Um, you know, for all the different ventures I've been invested in and started, that I've always been for the first couple of fiscal years, it's always been reinvesting the profit or the service, the gain back into the company to make it better. So you can improve the service or the product and then also then you can upcharge and then you can market higher and you can grow from there. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget about that because um, often you see the money coming in and you're like, oh, this is great. Let me uh, keep it there or, or spend it. Right. Where uh, in reality, you can, you can reinvest it into your equipment or things like that, which will make you more efficient and you right. can make more money. Yeah, yeah, I know that's definitely true with Amridge. Like the first couple of years, uh, I was just like, "This is great! I'm making money. You know, this is fantastic." But also, like, I started off with like a GoPro, like <laughs> literally the first camera I had. Like that, like I could do stuff. And I could like, you know, I did travel vlogs with my GoPro and kind of grew from there. Um, and my phone, you know, first several music videos I did, I filmed with the iPhone Success and on a you know handheld gimbal and. You know, sure, I got paid like maybe $50 for those videos, but that was like when I first started out with, and I kind of talked it up to experience, but making at least some kind of profit margin from that, reinvesting it back in the company, 
and you can invest in better equipment that looks more professional, and then you can charge more. And that kind of whole cycle there really allows you to kind of grow that model until you're able to kind of break through, and then you can charge even more and then grow even farther than that. Yeah, and uh, I saw you also, you started a, like a, I think it was like a barista kind of business where you would deliver, deliver like coffees and things on yeah. campus. So I was really curious because I feel like starting a business on a college campus has got to be like so tough dealing yeah. with college students. So, so how was that? Yeah, I know like for COVID, uh, my parents were like, hey, listen, like, in this COVID, this summer you got to either find a job or you're going to be paying rent in the house. I'm like, I don't want to pay rent in the house because I'm already living here. So like, let me find a job. So I found a job and I became a barista. Um, and I, I chose barista because, you know, as an, a creative art individual, artistic individual, like the, the latte art really struck my uh, attention there. So I got into that and really liked that. And then from there, uh, I worked as a chef as well. So using those skills to kind of, you know, broaden my skill set. Like, oh, I have a passion for coffee. I love coffee. And I know a lot about it. I know how to make it good coffee. Like, and then on campus, like, oh, the closest coffee is like five minute walk away and also they're charging like five six dollars for a cup of coffee like we can charge half that and be just down the hall so why not make that kind of uh an avenue there for for either profit or just to help other people um so yeah that's where espresso yourself came in and play and you know just it'd be really simple um business model you know like you know a form just an online form people on your on your dorm like room, you know, the, the door, you just write up, oh, you want coffee, you sign up, you order, I get an invitation, I make the coffee, I deliver it to the dorm room, they pay me money, and boom, like, you've got a coffee business that's pretty mobile and self-contained, so it's pretty, pretty solid. That's pretty cool. Did you just, like, buy, like, a coffee pot, or, like, how did you do, how did you, like, well, make the coffee? I have an espresso machine now already, so oh. I was like, you know, let's, I mean, again, like, I'm, most people have so many different tools laying around that you could take that passion or that tool and you could capitalize that and help others with it or profit from it. Um, you know, for me, like early on with salon care, there's a lawnmower. Like I had a lawnmower, might as well mow other people's lawns and make a little bit of profit from it. Um, espresso machine, college students, coffee, it's a symbiotic relationship there. Like you can share the wealth and you can help others and, and uh, you know, service that need, so. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did with your, air, like how you moved into photography and the airmage business, and you, you had the iPhone success like you were talking about, right, and right. then you, you started doing jobs. So do you remember like what your first customer was like for actual like doing any photography job? Like not like not like oh, okay, you had your family and they like paid you something, yeah. but like your your real first customer. Do you remember? Yeah, no, it was it took a while to get first because uh, did a lot of um, you know, like networking is really really critical for any entrepreneur. Um, but the first one, I believe it was like I want to say April of, like twenty nineteen or something like that, and it was it was a commercial project. Um, or, for RTP, it was um, it was some construction company, something like that, and you could like a quick survey gig. So I did that, and I actually filmed for them like three times. Uh, so that's pretty solid. But then, um, you know, one of the earlier, uh, one of the early like per like personal clients like reached out to me was um, you know for this music video. There's like this local band playing. It's like, oh, we need a music video of this live performance. You know, what should be down? It's like. Oh yeah, sure. Why not? And then I mean, I did. We didn't. I didn't. I was so young that I didn't talk about all the details. But you know, they didn't have much of a budget, so they're like, "Oh." Afterwards, like, "Oh, we can give you fifty dollars." I'm like, "You know what? I'll take it. It's gas money, you know, kind of thing." Uh, it helped me get there and back. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just getting experience really and exposure. 
um, exposure for any uh, entrepreneur in the first cycle is really important. Getting yourself out there, showing your portfolio, what you're capable of, and then growing from there is, is important. But yeah, there's some of those, I mean, I still, I keep track of all the, my records pretty clearly, but um, some of those earlier ones are definitely memorable. Yeah, um, we, we had uh, some guests on earlier and they, they started a cleaning business for like Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. And they said as, pretty much as soon as they got all set up, there was just an explosion in demand because there was like no services like it anywhere nearby. So I'm curious, when you started AirMage, especially when you, when you introduced like droning work, mm -hmm. was there like so much demand in the area that you just had clients flowing in or did you really have to try and like grow from um, like smaller clients to really expand from there? Yeah, well, part of the reason why I kind of got into you know, the droning business is that um, you know, drones have been taken off significantly, you know, no pun intended there, but like, you know, over the last couple of decades, you know, from early 2000s, there hasn't been much use for it. But now, you know, the applications have grown significantly um, and kind of getting the market where there are not many certified commercial pilots available and being, you know, one of the first, uh, especially in my age group, to be able to get out there and do it, I think is really good to capitalize. So you know, when I was 16, um, I've been flying drones and models planes like that for you know, at least two plus years, um, but then seeing that, oh, you can get a commercial license and you can get paid, you know, I started looking to it, oh, you can get like, you know, they're advertising like $200 an hour to fly drones, I'm like, that's amazing, I love flying drones, and you can get paid for it, well, it could be better, and so there's this niche where, you know, only people who have the uh, Part 107 FAA commercial pilot's license can get paid for fly drones, and so I'm like, you know, let me get that. So at 16, um, during classes in schools, you know, I came home and finished my homework and then I'd start you know, my online learning by myself. And I self-study for a whole year, uh, teach myself all the uh, pilot curriculum and airmen, uh, flight knowledge, you know, sectional air charts, airspace regulations, flight controls, all of that. Um, and then um, I think when I was turning 17, uh, still 16 at the time, I think late May or June of like 26, 2018, 2016, it was sometime around then. Uh, went to the airport, took my pilot's exam, and uh, thankfully passed, and I got my Part 107, and uh, that allowed me to officially be paid to, to fly drones. And being in that, that kind of that, that in, that special community that can you know, capitalize on the, the market to fly drones is um, really kind of what took off for airmen, you know. No pun intended there either, for, for drones. You know, the thing is, uh, it's one thing, most people have been filming on the ground for centuries, you know, decades, you know, since cameras and anything that could capture memories were invented, but being able to get the perspective that's elevated from a higher perspective, and that's our, our, our motto there, you know, photography and videography from a higher perspective because we can elevate that, take it to the next level, and, and really get a better outlook on the situation or the event or whatever is needed. And um, I realized that there's not much out there, and being when you're one of the earlier ones out there and it's booming now. But yeah, I saw I saw a, a quick rise once I started that networking and starting that exposure building my portfolio. I was like, oh yeah, we need we need this, we need that. And, you know, I had people reaching out and, and from there just kind of took off. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I agree couldn't agree more that the drone like space is like insane and the potential for it is is immaculate. And yeah, like for sure. I, I'm curious, this is kind of I want to dive deeper into AirMage and like how you built that up um, to what it is today. But I'm curious, like, what do you think about, like, autonomous drones? And I know that, like, back in, like, 20, I think it was, like, 2020, it was, like, really big. Like, okay, there's companies coming out that were yeah. trying to build autonomous drones and, like, to deliver packages and whatnot. Right. Do you ever see, like, society get into that point where they're they're delivering packages to door-to-door -door with the drone? Yeah, you know, I think, personally, I'm a huge advocate for, I think, autonomous air, air 
flight and travel because you know the takes out the human factor in it and unfortunately there are a lot of casualties each year due to human error especially in alaska with you know bush plane pilots you know there are at least 200 plus pilot you know fatalities each year just for pilots delivering pizza from one place to another and like you could easily save that life by just having a network of drones to deliver stuff for you uh so when i went to the faa you know i, I pitched the idea it's like you know Working in developing a autonomous drone networking, you know, network to deliver stuff could be a really good proponent for the future. Obviously, you still have remote pilots to help, you know, fly the drones as well. But taking out the human life factor in there could end up saving more lives. And I know Amazon's been working on uh, Prime Air, you know, to deliver packages like that. But there's a lot of rules and regulations around being able to certify airspace regulations with the FAA and how to you know, deliver packages effectively and efficiently and, you know, theft. And there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole gamut of, of regulations about it. But I think in the future, I, I think I would love to see autonomous uh, air flight. Uh, like 2020, 2030, 2040? What's your guess? <laughs> hey, uh, I think, you know, maybe late 2020s. Late 2020s, really? Maybe that's soon. as soon. Uh, I mean, they're working on it right now. It's just the rules and regulations with the, the airspace regulations is the main inhibitor right now. But I think... You know, routine transport. You know, I know Domino's wants to deliver pizza with drones. Like that'd be pretty sick. <laughs> you just call in. Yeah, you know, I want like large cheese pizza. It's like sweet. Ten minutes later, it comes by. A drone just drops it off. Like that'd be pretty sick. So definitely a lot of potential for the drone space, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah. And you're you're right though. The regulation is really the biggest thing holding it back. Because, yeah. I mean, it goes with like cryptocurrency and a lot of other things that mm-hmm. are still like in their growth stages. And it's like right. there's no government regulation, so no one's gonna invest this, a, a right. ton of money into this field if they're yeah. not going to know that they're going to get covered by the government because of it exactly and then i mean if you if you allow once you set that precedent of allowing drones in the air for routine transport then you're introducing more air traffic and you got concerns of you know collisions with already planes and then other aircraft it's just it gets really complicated but i think that between that you know i'm doing research uh, with drones right now and how that could be affected with like search and rescue operations and um you know just we just had a hurricane came by know for disaster relief you know disaster assessment seeing where survivors are uh delivering blood samples and those a zip line out in, in namibia and africa delivers blood transfusions with drones and like that could save lives so i think it's a it's a huge possibility in the future and i think that it'd be really cool to see that take off i agree yeah yeah so i'm curious um with airmage so you had those few businesses that you started before and yeah. you're working with mostly uh like personal and residential clients mm-hmm. and then with airmage you really started working with like real established businesses and right. commercial clients so what was like what sort of um things did you need to learn to really bridge that gap and like what was helpful um in commercial clients where it wouldn't apply to say like a residential client yeah i know like for the art business and lawn care, it's like a family of friends, mainly neighbors like that. You can be more friendly, but you know, being really professional in communication and presenting yourself is really key. Um, you know, that's when I started like learning how to properly communicate in a professional manner with you know, whether it's emails or phone calls, and um, you know, being confident and assertive. And you know, since I am you know my own boss, I can like make the rules and call the shots, which is really nice. But also, in the end, the customer is always right. And whether that's with, you know, being a barista or a chef, you know, I've had, you know, when I was working as those, I'd have, you know, customers be like, oh, you know, this coffee's not right, or this, this burrito's not made right. Like, you're right, you know, it's not, even though I think it might be, they're right. And so you make it again, and you make the customer happy. And that's where you, like, I think, you know, making sure you don't break any ties and you don't sever any, burn any bridges until you, 
Um, you absolutely need to. Uh, it's really important. Um, and I've had some kind of crazy, you know, customer uh, interactions, but you know, they're they're always right, and you gotta like cater them. But learning from those lessons and then making it better from there is always important. Yeah, I think that is a good rule to follow. That customers always right, but at the same time, like. Obviously, you're going to deal with bad situations, like with yeah. customers. And mm-hmm. how, do you remember like any situation that was like, okay, like I, this isn't even worth like my time and money that I'm investing and getting out of it to deal with this like customer? Do you remember any, whether it be from Airmage or, yeah. or uh, early business that you started? Yeah, there've been a couple. Like, I mean, just people who. I mean, I, I get quotes all the time, like, "Oh, I need headshots or I need this music video, but my budget's like a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars." Like, tell oh, me. Sounds like a great idea, but sorry, it's not worth my time. You know, just let alone you know, the time just to get there and back. You're spending like hours just on site, but then hours editing post productions like that. And you know, there's a point in time when you need to value your time more than the job itself or the experience. Earlier on, um, you know, I think for any entrepreneur, you take everything you can get. But it's really nice now, like you know, being far in as I am, to finally be able to like you know, as this last year, uh, and I've been able to start saying no more to people. Like, sorry, I can't, you know, say, and it feels kind of good to be able to like say, you know, you know, this sounds great, but you know, prioritizing other opportunities more over other ones that might be more fruitful and uh, is really, really helpful. Sweet. Yeah, that, I think that's really important. Like, even if, um, sorry, um, <laughs> even as, like, as you grow, it's important that, um, like, you have all these clients flowing in and it, although it may sound terrible, like, if you have a low-paying client that you've had for years and they're not yeah. gonna increase what they're paying you, you there's no need to fit them in their schedule when you can replace them with a higher ticket client. Right, yeah, you know, again, like, first music video is like 50 bucks, and like, yeah, that was great looking back, great experience, I wanna do it again, that kind of thing, like, it's kinda of crappy, and I mean, the video quality for what I had back then, not bad, um, but I think there's a lot of other prospects, especially now, like video production, you know, you can, for video, average video production for music videos up to you know between three to five K now. So like that was like one percent of what I could be making. Down within obviously I didn't have experience, but with experience comes expertise and you can then go from there. Right. I'm I'm curious. So like I know when when people start business it is like a lot of personal stuff and it's like okay you're doing small jobs for people, you're really getting intimate intimate with them. Mm -hmm. But like when you move to like a commercial like client and like obviously you might not be talking to the actual owner of the business or the person that is actually like paying for the product itself. Right. Have you like noticed a difference on how like you handle people differently, like commercially versus like handling people that are actually like the artists of a music video or something? Is there a difference there? Or have yeah. You noticed anything? Yeah, I think like for for larger, I deal with mainly commercial and corporate clients, especially here for because they're larger. There's a higher demand for that. But I think with that, you know, it's it's being more more open and setting you set the fine lines of like listen this is what this is what I can offer you break it down like all the way but with personal clients usually larger corporations don't really know what they're dealing with they just need a product uh, they just like okay you know for example you know filming for a construction company they need an update you know or a marketing video for their new building they just built it's like okay cool you know I'll shoot you like a like a one minute promo video and like I'm like do you want anything specific what are you looking for it's like I don't know, up to you. It's like, okay, cool. So it's up to my artist interpretation, and it's kind of nice. But with personal clients, it's more like, you know, again, learning from those ex- bad experiences early on, you got to lay out everything to them. Like, listen, this is what I want to do. Uh, I've started now, you know, after this kind of first rocky uh, situations, uh, you make sure you do a client service agreement, have a contract. That way you know what you're doing, they know what you're doing, you're in agreement there. Um, 
you know, because the first time, you know, I had this, I shot this wedding proposal, and the guy afterwards like, why didn't you include Sally Sue in the video? I'm like, you didn't tell me who Sally Sue was, nor what she looked like. How am I supposed to know? I'm not gonna shoot like every, every single like person I see going up. And so, um, you know, obviously they're still right. So like, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't capture that, but uh, you can't really do after, after you miss opportunities. So now it's like, all right, let me know who exactly you want me to make sure I photograph and is in the video, what they look like, any scenes or shots you want specifically, put that in the agreement so you, they know exactly where you, what they're getting. And then if you get more than that, then you're going above and beyond, and then you make them even more happy. So. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely really important because um, if the client's not um, getting what they're, what they're expecting, then right. it's just never going to end well. Yeah, and, that, and the big part of the marketing too is, is relying on word of mouth as well. You know, if you make a client happy and they really like your services, they'll refer you to someone else. And so I always go above and beyond, I overshoot, I over deliver with every every job I, I do and, and some of my colleagues do too. You know, we, we try to in an effort to, you know, please them and, and go above and beyond what they're expecting. That way they might be able to promote that even higher and, and kind of uh, enlarge our network. Um, so it's always important to know their expectations and then making sure you can somehow exceed those expectations and then see what goes from there. You mentioned like, uh writing out a contract essentially for yeah. your customers. Mm -hmm. Do you do that now with every customer you have? Like, okay, this is what I'm giving you. And you have like packages already pre-made. Like how, what would you advise like someone like, okay, I have this business. Do I need to start with contracts like upfront when I'm doing all my businesses? Or what is the yeah. point where you, you think someone should start taking up contracts for every customer they have? Yeah, for, I mean, I don't do it for every single job because uh, obviously like if I have an ongoing assignment for that, then it's an extended contract. You have it from an agreement from the get-go. But if I have like a new service or a new client that is especially personal or kind of a private uh, you know, client, not like a commercial or corporate, even with those two, it's always good to initially have a, a client agreement to protect yourself, protect them, and protect your company as well. Uh, that way they know what you're doing, they know what they're getting, and then if there are any issues, you have a legal contract that you can dispute. And so I've made sure that that is in you know every, every transaction I do to have laid out. Also, it helps with the smooth transaction of knowing you know what they're getting, you know the price, you know the services, you know when they're getting it by, how they're getting it. It's all kind of laid out in a nice big bundle for them. And that's why if you ask any you know photographer, or videographer, they they always tend to have something that help protect them themselves just legally and everything like that. Um, it kind of helps to keep everything streamlined. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned that although you guys were like pretty early to the droning business and there weren't like too many mm -hmm. um, other established businesses around, yeah. do you remember anything, and you might not have an answer to this, do you remember anything that really separated Airmage from uh, potentially some of your other competitors that allowed you guys to, to grow where others didn't? You know, I think being so young as we were, um, being able to find like that niche, and I remember like the first couple of months just calling up like, dozens and dozens of real estate companies say, hey, you know, we'd love to shoot for you for free, just initially, just to get experience. And then, you know, if you like our services, we'll happy to do more, here's our prices kind of thing. Um, but just putting yourself out there. And I know there, there are a lot of other companies out there already. And I've, I've networked with a couple of the other com my, of my competitors and knowing kind of who that is. But, you know, I've kind of created my own little pond. And from there, Amherst will kind of be able to grow that into a lake. And kind of from there, establishing our, our framework network. But I think what stood out is just, you know, early on, um, kind of the creativity and the flair that we bring. And kind of, you know, as an artist, you know, trying to add more than what's 
what there is out there. And yeah, some other drone videos out there. So yeah, they're cool. But how can we make that even better? And then going out there and going again above and beyond and taking that next level helps to stand out. Right. You brought up a good point. Like a lot of people think that when you start a business, like you have to charge someone, like you have to get a paying customer yeah. the first time. But like yeah. if you literally just offer people free stuff, like one, you're getting experience. Yeah, exactly. And then two, you're meeting a potential client that right. you might bag for, for whatever, multiple right. years ahead of time. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, for me right now, like my like number one, number two social media, LinkedIn, like underestimate the power of, of networking. You know, being able to be, you know, seven links, you know, away from anyone in the world or less. Knowing someone that knows someone that knows someone could help you. In the end, you guys could be the best buddies ever. And so having that and knowing that and knowing that networking is the key to success. Knowing that, you know, if you put yourself out there um, and just try and then you, you have potential to grow. And then initially just offering a service for free. Getting, you getting experience, getting exposure, building a portfolio that even then you can show other people and then say, hey, if you like what I do, I'm happy to do it again for you. Here's what I can do for you later. And then go from there, because they might know someone that might need that. Right. Have you ever reached a point like in AirMage or like in any of your companies where you're like, okay, like, well, obviously you aren't doing all of your companies that you do now, but AirMage right now, like, have you ever been like, okay, like this is not worth like what I'm doing right now, like this is really hard and, and I'm on the verge of like quitting. And like, how did you get through that if, if you ever did experience something like that? Yeah, I think that um, for a couple of times, you know, like, um, you know, express yourself in like nuance for like kind of short term gigs where I knew that it wasn't gonna be like a long term kind of situation. Um, but it was a good time to just like get exposure. Uh, I didn't have time for managing, I don't, you know, I don't major shows anymore just because there's kind of a pause um, and they're not really worth as much of my time as like other more important ones like that average does like more lucrative successful um, it's good to prioritize what's most important to you and what could be the most benefit to others in the long term um, and realizing kind of choosing the best of both worlds and knowing what can help the most amount of people and then what can help you as well in the process is the best to focus on it. You mentioned prioritizing like your business and like, okay, these clients are this product and whatnot. Mm -hmm. How have you like prioritized like your work and your career and your business compared to like your personal life? Like what is, where do you think is like a good line to draw between like, okay, let's throw all my time that I have in, in my business and try to grow yeah. it versus, okay, let me try to find the right balance in between. Yeah, uh, I mean, man, like I, I try to keep them kind of separate, but if you look at like my Google calendars, it's a rainbow, like it's very <laughs> colorful. But I built it in a way that you kind of it meshes together, um, and you know, I oftentimes, you know, even last semester, I was going, you know, I would do uh, a photo shoot right before class and go right to class and lecture from a photo shoot. It was like being with the client and then going straight into lecture and learning. Um, it's a different mindset, but I think regardless, there's a commonality and growth uh, for both, and learning how to, um, and then there's also failure in both as well. That's that leads to more growth. Uh, if you turn that into a positive, um, you know, whether you're failing a test or you, you know, you've lost a client, you take that and you learn from that, oh, what did I do wrong? And then go from that and then you take that and make it better and grow from there. Yeah, um, I'm curious because, I mean, you're an aerospace major as well and that alone yeah. takes, takes up so much time. And yeah. you're also a part of so many organizations and you're running a business. Mm -hmm. What are some uh, particular, like maybe resources or just time management strategies that have really helped you like manage all that at once? Yeah, well, I think like, you know, keeping a detailed calendar is really important um, and, and log, um, you know, with meetings, having, you know, Calendly or, or some kind of resource to be able to schedule things um, and have them kind of all in one page so way, you know, I get notifications. Oh, shoot, I forgot about this meeting I have. Let me have this real quick. 
Um, you know, there are times when I forget about things and it's like, oh man, be rescheduled, you learn from those mistakes. But um, I think it's really important about prioritizing, you know, what's going to be most helpful to you. Obviously, my degree is really important. That's why I'm here in college. But also, like, my passion as an entrepreneur is also really important too. And so that's why, like, for the semester, I made my schedule around, you know, being an entrepreneur. Like, I have only classes really on Monday and Wednesday. And I don't have any classes Thursday and Friday. That way I can schedule, like, all my clients on those days and then have those days be, like, kind of, you know, photo shoot days or, or film days. The way I can go out there, I know that those days are reserved for that. Uh, whereas on Monday and Wednesday, the mindset would be kind of that learning and kind of, like, compartmentalizing that and making sure you focus on which wins which. But, so it's like you have a structure for everything. Yeah, you know, it's, it's important to keep organized, but also, like, it's important to, you know, I love having fun and, and just kind of spontaneously living life. You know, I, if I have time, you know, I'll just, heck, you know, I've, I've gone skydiving one spot. Like, someone asked me, like, you know, had a stranger come up to me and be like, yo, you want to go skydiving? I'm like, when? Today? Sure, I'm down. Sweet, <laughs> let's go. And I think, like, you know, it's really fun because some of the best, some of uh, life's best experiences happen uh, outside your comfort zone and when you're just living life to the fullest and just carefree and Take care, take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, I agree 100. I'm curious, like, did you ever think, or have you ever hired like employees for Airmage, or have you thought about hiring employees for Airmage? Yeah, oh, I have currently quite a few different work colleagues, so we we kind of work with each other. So if I can't do something, I hand it to a couple of my other fellow pilots and photographers, be like, hey, you know, I need help with that, or if it's a larger production, need multiple pilots or photographers on set for that, um, and we kind of like work together, you know, have, you know, assistant director and, you know, director of photography and kind of work in a collaborative setting. Um, that's really helpful for the larger productions. Um, and then also sometimes if I need even more, go to my friend and say, hey, you want to work for this production? Uh, and then they get a piece of it. So I had, um, you know, for my first rap music video last fall, uh, I needed some more help. So I went to one of my uh, friends and uh, be like, yo, you want to help? And I, I gave him a cameo in, in the in the video too. Um, he didn't have an experience being uh, all the things, you know, sound design, mixer, gaffer. I'm like, I'll, I'll throw you in there, you know, like because I was directing it like that. So I was like, you know, have some fun with it. Um, but it's it's kind of fun to have that. But yeah, I'm looking to probably in the near future, like I need to like you know hire a marketing manager because I can't just yeah. I find there's only so much I can do with the time I have. But it's it's helpful to also build a good team. But having the team I have right now, you know, working with other uh, my friends I trust as pilots and photographers, we work together, and, and we're a good team. But together, we can like piggyback off each other if we need help, and I trust them; they trust me. And we work together. What do you think? I guess you just kind of touched on it, trust. But what do you think like the most important things? Like when you're working with someone that's like a friend, and it's and it's not like and then when you're working with like when you have an employee and you're like telling them a new job, it's different because yeah. you're kind of their boss, quote unquote. Right. But, like when you're with friends, you kind of have to you have to make everyone every party happy. So like, what what are some techniques that you use to like? work together with like a group of people and, and yeah. do the jobs efficiently. I think like team bonding is like really important. Like just doing fun things together, you know, trips, you know, just like good vibes, you know, like if you have fun together, then you can, you, you'll have fun together in, outside of the, the office, but also in the office as well. And having that good chemistry um, allows you to carry that, you know, chemistry carries on to on the set as well. If you're doing production, it's like, okay, I trust you, you know what you're doing with the camera. I know you're gonna get the right shot, you know, and also seeing their mindset and how they work together. Um, you know, there's different creatives out there, you know, ones that focus on different styles or shots, and it's important and, and cool to see how that kind of all meshes together. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm curious. I, I saw you, uh, you interned at SpaceX last summer. So uh, I guess, like, what was that experience like um, going like? What was the 
Can you start with the application process too? Because I'm really curious oh, about right. like how, yeah. how they um, bring all the internships in. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. So I mean, to start from the beginning, you know, I've been interested in SpaceX since you know 2015, 2014 when the the first Falcon Heavy booster landing occurred. I mean, just seeing those two boosters come down simultaneously is like, mind blowing. I mean, that's actually possible. Engineers actually made that possible, like coming down, you know, independently of one another at the same time from space at the same like precise location. Just like it's insane. So like like I want to work for that someday. Like that would be a dream. And from there, I made that my dream job, um, just for you know, getting the experience. And um, I had some friends that were already working there. Um, actually, you know, during um, during uh, quarantine, I yeah, I had a LinkedIn before, but I think I went from like maybe fifty connections on LinkedIn. And I may go like, you know what, I'm gonna network the heck out of this quarantine here, make advantage of it. So I started connecting all over and now like having, you know, over three, four thousand connections just from knowing someone else, I, I see all the seconds on LinkedIn, like, oh, I have a connection with them. Hey, I see that we have a common connection. Let's connect. I love to learn more about blah 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 blah. And so I went to SpaceX and it was like, oh I see that we have a common connection with you. Love learn more about what you do. And so, you know, I might have um, fifty messages reached out and I might hear back from like one or two, but those one or two were very crucial. And one of them I still keep in touch with now. And I'm working, I'm in talks right now, working with this team next fall, next, sorry, next summer um, down in Florida. But um, and he's kind of like fighting for me. He re reviewed my application and it's like that. Um, but yeah, last, um, I applied twice. So the first year uh, I didn't get called back for the application, but last year applied on the website, submitted my resume and cover letter and portfolio and uh, I didn't hear back for a while, but then uh, you know, a couple months later, um, you know, for anyone who's applying, it takes time. But uh, hang, in, hang in there, you know, if you're confident and prepared, you'll, you'll make it through. And they, they need you, they'll, they'll get you. Um, so I didn't hear back until like February, and then had the interviews, and gosh, it was probably the hardest interviews in my life. But <laughs> do you remember some questions they asked you? Gosh, like they had like, I mean, those interviews are just notorious. Um, but like a couple of them just. Asking very technical questions, you know, Sam, you'll you'll appreciate some like the they asked straight up statics and solids questions oh, no. during those. They'd be like, "All right, you got a cantilever beam attached <laughs> to a wall with a freestanding end, and applied load at the end of it. You know, how do you how do you decrease the moment uh, about this? Or like, if you if you have a high beam, how do you decrease the mass but increase the strength of this component? Or you know, one that the first one that threw me off was like." All right, you got a stainless steel plate attached to an aluminum alloy chassis body. Whole thing heats up. Which one's in tension first? I'm just like, pause. What do you say? And I'm just trying to analyze what they're saying. You got five seconds to answer them, and it's just like go, 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 and it's just like rapid fire. And these are like the like regular screening questions. Like, oh my gosh, and this is what it's like. This is gonna be crazy. Uh, but I made it through, and I honestly thought I answered all this wrong because I just under pressure, just like. Holy frick, holy frick, what's happening? And you just have to kind of know it. And thankfully I was in solid at the time, so I was like, oh, this stuff's pretty fresh. But regardless, it was hard. Um, not easy, they, make it, they don't make it easy, but also like, they need to know what you're capable of. And if you're able to, if you're good for the job, um, but making it through and then, I mean, overall, just this past summer, it was a dream. Like it was, you know, such an exciting environment. Uh, everyone there is super passionate. Uh, they want to be there. Uh, sure, you know, we work long hours, and but they're fun. It's, re it's rewarding. I mean, it's, it's insane. I still, it's hard to fathom, like just the fact that like you're building something one week, a couple weeks in space.
like the fact that you can track your stuff like it's just it's crazy and then like the constant to reality the dynamic you know work life you know being able to see things just change constant to reality within weeks and just like super exciting rewarding um being part of such a dynamic and uh, fulfilling company um with the you know overall goal to hopefully one day uh, occupy mars that's awesome man that sounds like you're living your dream <laughs> yeah it was it was quite awesome I've, I've seen this question on like i've heard it in podcasts and like on twitter and it's like uh it's like okay you're on a certain point on earth you go down a thousand miles so you go south a thousand miles yeah. you go west a thousand miles then you go north a thousand miles and you're in the same spot mm-hmm. where are you yeah did they ask you that? Yeah, they didn't ask that one. <laughs> that was um, like similar. Yeah, they, they, they have a couple of those. You know, those are classic you know, Elon Musk kind of yeah. questions. Uh, there's also the one. You know, you're sitting in a boat in the lake and you got a rock and you throw it out and the and the, and the lake. You know, does the water level rise or fall? Kind of thing. And so it's just like, oh, you got to analyze. Oh, and the boat is displacing the rock's mass. You know, for the water versus when you throw it in, it's displacing the rock's volume. It's like, okay, oh, you analyze it that way. Um, they didn't ask those questions. But kind of along the same mindset, you know, it's kind of like brain teasers. They make you critically think. It's not just like, that, oh, what kind of work style do you like? Oh, well, what's the time you failed? Like, no, they, yeah. cut, they cut straight to the chase. Like, what can you give us? How can you help us? How can you make our team better kind of thing? And so they, they did just that. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I can't. Did you ever get to meet like Elon Musk, or are you? See, and obviously, like, you did probably to shake his hand. But like, did you see him in the yeah. factory ever? Or? Well, yeah, we uh, all the interns met him. Um, really? We had a Zoom with him and a Q and A. He's down in Texas though. Um, we got to we got to meet uh, X Ash Twelve or what the heck his name is. It's kind of cute. You're running around like, and they call him Ash. You know, they're like, you know, oh, he's playing with stuff. He's really cute. But um, yeah, we were asking Elon some questions. Um, yeah, he was. Kind of beating around the bush, but um, answer a few of them. Well, you were asking like specific questions, like what his plans were for the future, or, like what were you talking? Any about? questions you wanted to ask him? Really? Yeah. Well, do you remember like some things he said that you like would never forget? I know, like for me, like he, I, he didn't answer this one, but one I really want to ask him down the line is just like you know, how is he? He because being talking about entrepreneurship, you know, I, the main thing I'm, if, if anything, I, I admire about him is his you know his drive and his entrepreneurial mindset, his ability to turn concept into reality. Me being starting, you know, PayPal, Tesla, you know, SpaceX, one company, Neuralink, yeah, all of these companies, and being able to be like, okay, here's a niche. How do we fill it? And that's the epitome of an entrepreneur. And being able to be like, okay, this needs help. How do we make this possible? And then making it reality. And then knowing, like, having that foresight to know that, like, electric cars are the future, and that commercial space travel will be a niche right now. You know, 20 years ago. Just like that foresight and that drive and that that ability to turn constant to reality is like how do you how do you cope with that how do you how do you manage that? But um, he didn't quite answer that, but I think that would be a really cool question to have answered at some point. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't. I, I've I've seen like clips of people talking to him, and they're like they feel like he's like he's not even like human. Like he's yeah. he's saying stuff, and you just can't even keep track. But I'm sure yeah. everyone in that internship group was probably yeah. on par. Oh yeah, there's there's a ton of people like there. Like some of the interns that were in the same room were just like. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're, they're like, I mean, they're like asking really good questions. Some of the questions are kind of weird. Um, you know, I forget. Like, someone was like, "Oh yeah, you know, Mars. You know, how do you get? You know, how do I go to Mars?" You know, kind of thing. And it's, it's like, that's also like, "Oh, do you need to go to school?" Kind of thing. Oh yeah. Oh, he's like, "No, you don't really need to go to college. You, know, you can get college on YouTube for like five bucks if you want." But he was advocating for like colleges about connections, about networking, getting back to networking really critical and a lot of people go to that's why the whole reason people go to Harvard it's not for the education because you can get the same comfortable education elsewhere but it's about the connections about who knows who 
I mean, some of the most elite people go to Harvard, and then you network the heck in that place. Yeah. And you leave Harvard with so many more connections than other people who aren't in that same kind of that sphere of influence. Um, and that's kind of like the impact of college on, on us, you know, on all of us. You know, we're going to leave here knowing so many more people than we would ever go if we just stayed at home. Yeah, that's a great point. I feel like a lot of people don't really pay attention to that. Like when they come to college, they're like, oh, I'm paying thousands of dollars yeah. to listen to this professor talk for an hour. Yeah, exactly. But like really, if you look at the bigger right. picture and right. know that there's 30, right here at NC State, there's like 30,000 people that are in, yeah. enrolled in the school. And like yeah. that's 30,000 people that you can meet right. and connect with exactly. and do great things. So I wish more people saw yeah. that, honestly. Especially when like we're sitting in lecture and we can't understand the professor. <laughs> uh, sure. But the fact that you've got you know a hundred spinning wheels you know without hitting the rubber next to you, you know, and once those wheels leave the classroom and hit the asphalt, they're going to be rolling. And it's about you know assembling the car and, and you know moving yourself with other wheels that are already spinning. That way you can work together and get the car moving faster. Um, that's what the network is about. Like you, you, you know, move yourself with others. You know, as a mechanical engineer, like you can build a car together with more wheels and like it's more stable. And if you get like, that, increase that stability, then you can go faster. And you already have the momentum, and the momentum is gained from our experience and our education. But it's it's only when we can go outside the classroom, hit the road, we can go really far. Right. Right. Do you have any like books or recommendations like for the audience? Like, okay, like some books that you really made to like change the way you look at the world, or YouTube videos, or podcasts, or anything? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a couple of really good ones. Um, I forget exactly the names right now, but David Goggins is a really great. Can't hurt me. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. It's like, um, but it's two episodes in a row, someone's recommended that. <laughs> I mean, David Goggins wrote it. So, um, yeah, he's such a great guy. I mean, he's done so much. Um, and then there's a Non-Stoppable, and yeah. it, um, it's really great. And there's also, like, uh, Colin Brady, I think, is a, he's a mountaineer and, and um, you know, more winning athlete. He was the first to cross the Antarctica solo. Um, he also was the first to, you know, cross the direct passage on a sailboat. Uh, and he's also hiked like most of the like, tallest peaks. He's done Mount Everest and everything like that. So just like seeing these people and what their feats are accomplished, and you know me having the same kind of ambitions to take after that. You know I'm hoping to myself leave an expedition to go hike Mount Everest in a couple of years um, and just go out there. You know be you know top of the world there and see what the limits of the human body are and kind of explore that and following the steps of that. Um, really good podcast. Uh, it's the Yes Theory podcast. You know, they explore a lot of great uh, answers and questions about life and how, how we can answer that and, and really increase our self-worth and ability to, to help others. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's funny. Our, our last guest recommended both Can't Hurt Me and Yes Theory. Um, yeah. But, I mean, aside from summoning Mount Everest, which is a pretty insane goal, um, and I, I could probably talk about that all day too, um, yeah. what's, like a, what's like a goal in your career, personal life that um, you have and what steps are you taking to achieve it? Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm a dreamer. I'm a, I, I like to think several steps in the future. And you're playing chess, and you always got to play several, several moves ahead. But also living in the present as well, because like living in the future helps you to make the most of the, your present. But also living in the present helps you to maximize your future. It's a symbiotic relationship. So playing ahead, you know, I'm, I'm a goal setter. I, I set a lot of dreams and goals. You know, back five years ago, knowing that I wanted to work for SpaceX and then working towards that and then achieving that. You know, now looking towards, you know, whatever that, that Everest might be in your life, you know, working towards that, you know, achieving that, whatever the height, taking those dreams to the next height, next level uh, is really important. But I think, you know, my ultimate career goal that I've been working towards, you know, for a while is my dreams last little is to, to work up in space as an astronaut. 
And so working towards that, knowing the requirements, um, knowing that you need like a master's and all this like that, you know, I know that I'm gonna down, I've already planned out that, yeah, I'm gonna work with my master's, I'm working my pilot's license right now. So getting those hours in, I need like a thousand, you know, pilot command flight hours, um, scuba certified, so have that and like getting towards those requirements are needed. Um, and I have it planned out, I had like a little like, life plan just knowing kind of rough outline of that way you don't miss any deadlines because uh, like life you know goes by so fast but also so slow don't want to miss anything that might be helpful but um you know looking towards keeping my eye on like nasa ASCAN group you know 25 application 26 uh aiming towards that you know might be uh hopefully one day on board and, and be a part of the next you know artemis mission you know maybe join spacex when they have commercial astronauts up there too <laughs> I mean, Crew Five just launched yesterday, so you know they're they're already growing their network. But um, I think that's the ultimate goal. Maybe working up on the moon someday. That's Maybe awesome. Mars. I think it'll be overall. I think it'll be a blast. That's awesome. Well, we really, we really appreciate your time, man. We appreciate you saying yes to us. Yeah. Not know like you're the bad customers that you, <laughs> you said no to. For so sure. we really appreciate you being here. Likewise. Yeah, it's great talking to you guys. And